0: Please have your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 13. We're in chapter 13 and we were there for a little bit of the time last week. um, We're nearing the end of this uh, series um, and uh, my cohort in uh, preparing the sermons uh, joked with me uh, this past week or the week before that We were going to do a quick series on Hebrews, and uh, we're still here. We've been in it a long time, but there's a lot to it, and it's a wonderful book, and there are so many things that are of encouragement to us, of an import to us, and we're nearing the end. Next, Next week is supposed to be the final exhortation. So uh, make sure you tune in next week to get the final word. But here we are. I I usually don't do something like this, but I used a silly little title, called it a salad sermon because it has two healthy servings of let us. <laughs> so there are. Uh, initially, when I started this uh, series, I was only going to look at the verses that said let us. There are that's in there several times. If you look at them. Um, Uh, some of the uh, translations let us do this therefore let us do this therefore let us there are a lot of those places that phrase is used in here a lot and here are two places in the final chapter um, at least according to um, the numeric numeric standard in verse 13 and verse 15 it says let us there is something for us to do so let us do what christ calls us to do Now, as I look at verses 7 through 9 of Hebrews 13, I simply, uh, I boiled those verses down into just say this, Hold fast to Jesus. He's never going to change. He's always been the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can grab hold of him and you know what you got forever. Whereas there was something that they were holding on to that had changed. That law of Moses. It has changed. Things have changed. They had an old covenant, but there is a new covenant now in Christ Jesus that is going to last forever. So hold fast to Jesus. He will never change. You can trust him. You can put your faith in him. You can absolutely rely upon him. Verse 7, I want to read again, 7 through through 9. Remember those who led you. Who spoke the word of God to you. And considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. All right, so part of the here's another reference that old law it had specific foods and um, you know that's that's just one way you can't don't that law, the law of Moses had very specific those kosher food laws. You know, well those those things didn't save them. Following the kosher food laws is not ultimately what saved Moses or any of his followers. They were saved, ultimately, by the blood of Jesus. The blood that was delivered once for all. That sacrifice that was made. Jesus. He's the one. Hold fast to Him. Don't go back to old food laws. Don't go back to old festivals. Don't go back to old sacrifices. Which is what we get into next. So verse number 10. We have an altar Talking about food, he he uses all these allusions here to come to one thing. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. So the food from the old sacrifices, um, in the old law, the law of Moses, they ate some of that food that was sacrificed. The priest ate some of that food that was sacrificed. Sometimes they just put a fork in whatever they got out, that would become what their portion was, and then the rest would be burned up. There were a lot of different um, possibilities for the people to eat from that. You think about the Passover lamb. They had to cook that, roast that Passover lamb, and then they had to eat it by midnight. So the people ate some of the sacrifices. The priest ate some parts of the sacrifice. But here is an illusion. To something new and something different. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle. So referring to the priests, the Levites. Who would get their food from sacrifices. We have something that those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Something new. Something different. So in the blurb I put Christians can partake. And I think we're going to see that bear out in the following verses. It's not necessarily saying right now that it's going to be food that we can eat, but it's going to bear out that we partake just as we partake of Christ. We're partaking in this covenant, his sacrifice. We participate in it as we eat and drink. So here we go. Christians can partake of a sacrifice not found in the old covenant. Verse number 10. Let us continue. Verse number 11. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. This is a very specific type of sacrifice that is referred to within the law of Moses. This isn't alluding to just all of the different types of sacrifices. There is one particular sacrifice that was made for sin that the blood was then used. The, the sacrifice was made at the, at the temple or at the tabernacle. And that blood was then used to be sprinkled inside the tabernacle inside the, the temple when it came. Some of that blood was used to be rubbed on the horns on the altar. It was a sin offering to make everything pure. It's a very specific kind of sacrifice, and that sacrifice was not to be eaten of, and it's spoken of in several places. I think Leviticus, um, I think I remember chapter 4, but definitely chapter 6 at the very end, verse 13, but also uh, in Leviticus 16 it is spoken about, and we can see at the very end here, Leviticus chapter 16, verse number 27 references what is being spoken of here. This sacrifice that could not be eaten. The blood was used to purify, but the animal, the flesh, in every part of it was to be burned up. Leviticus 16.27. And it says, But the bull of the sin offering and the goat of the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be taken outside the camp, and they shall burn their hides, their flesh, and their refuse in the fire. Every part of it was to be burned outside the camp. This is not a sacrifice that was burned on the altar within the courtyard of the temple. The blood was used, then the animal was taken outside of the camp. Verse 11, again, says, For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Now, this happened for a couple different sacrifices, but the reference here in verse 11 is specifically because it mentions the high priest going into the holy place. Probably a reference to that holy of holies that's being spoken of in Leviticus 16, the day of atonement. So there was but the point is that this sacrifice its blood is used for purification the animal then is taken outside of the camp and burned completely a complete sacrifice Now the application of this is in verse 12 Hebrews 13 verse 12 Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Now, I see within this, that this idea of that he might sanctify the people. The reference in the previous verse was the high priest going into the holy place and sanctifying things within the temple. And now this reference here says that he might, Jesus, that he might sanctify the people. A reference to us, I think, in my mind, that this is referring to us as the temple. A recognition of Christians as the temple. The speaker here is alerting to the people the fact that you are the temple of God. So there's a powerful statement even there that, that that temple that they would go to and uh, make their sacrifices at and celebrate their feasts, they'd make those pilgrimages there. You know what? That's part of the law of Moses. That's part of the old way. Now you are the temple. You are the temple. Therefore Jesus, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So for him to be able to sanctify the temple, to sanctify us, he had to, his blood had to be offered in such a way that it could be sprinkled and cover cover us spiritually speaking, uh, within the language of scripture. Then also, his body had to be to go outside of the camp for his blood to be used in such a way in the manner of what was shown in that Levitical law, then the sacrifice itself had to be taken outside of the camp. And as it said, it's it's hide, it's flesh, it's, it's refuse, it's inward parts. It all had to be burned, sacrificed outside of the camp. So Jesus satisfied. He became a fulfillment of that sacrifice. Jesus fulfilled that scripture. Now, let us continue. So it was one part to another part. Therefore, hear this. Therefore, Jesus did this. And now here's the application. Verse 13. So let us go out to, go out to him outside the camp Bearing his reproach. Alright, so the point was made that Jesus had to suffer outside of the camp for him to be a sacrifice for sin. He had to be outside the camp. That's where he had to go. And that's what happened. so we have to go out to him. Bearing his reproach. Jesus wasn't sacrificed within the walls of Jerusalem. He had to go outside the gate, didn't he? He had to go be taken to Calvary. He was taken outside of the walls of Jerusalem. He was not inside the temple. He wasn't within the camp. He was taken outside and suffered and died for us on that cross on Calvary. And that cross, this has already been alluded to, was a cross of shame. He had to bear reproach. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now there's so many things mixed up in here, but why was the cross... Shame. Why did he why did he have to endure the cross? Why did he have to he didn't care about the shame? As I wrote in the the point here, the cross was shameful. It was filled with shame, but but he didn't care. He was murdered in the presence of wicked men. He was crucified as a common criminal. And even Scripture itself declares that anyone who is hung from a tree is cursed. So there, everything about the cross, there was no glory in it from those standpoints. But the glory is there, though, that Jesus was willing to die and to suffer that shame, to endure that cross. It, That is such a glory because God, he he was able to humble himself to the point of death, but not just to the point of death, even the death on a cross for us. And so here in the midst of this lesson to these Jews, to Jewish believers who have once lived the lifestyle of, The law of Moses that dictated everything in their life, and now they have come to Jesus, and there is a new covenant that they they now have life in, and they have this new Savior that they follow. There is a lot of powerful um, exhortation for them. So, the cross was shameful, but Jesus didn't care. And so the, the example is for us to go outside the camp. And I, I say us. I, I have to keep this in the place of talking to the Jews, right? What do you th- when the Jews heard, we have to go outside of the camp. We have to go outside of Jerusalem. We have to go outside of the encampment of the 12 tribes of Israel. We have to go out Verse number two, I mean, excuse me, point number two under uh, this reference to uh, verse number 13, it says, to participate in this sacrifice, the sacrifice alluded to in verse number 20, in verse number 10. To participate in this sacrifice, the Jewish believers had to let go of the old covenant. There was... A sacrifice that has been made that the priest couldn't have access to it, but we do have access to it. And if you want to participate in this new covenant, as I refer to us and get our thoughts down here on this communion table, the feast that we partake of, which comes from a sacrifice... These Jews had to leave the camp. They had to leave Jerusalem. They had to get out of Israel, so to speak. Imagine the reproach they would bear if they were willing to do what was necessary of what this book was all about, to let go of the things that they held so strongly to within Judaism that had already been fulfilled in Christ And now to keep hold of these things, the old way of life and everything that I am and my family and my ancestors, everything that was important, now I've got to let go of that and go to Jesus and bear the shame like He did. And you think about what Jesus, as we referred to last week, what Jesus did. What what He had said that that He said that that I I didn't come to bring... Peace, but to bring a sword. And father is going to be against son, and son against father. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. He brings division. And these people knew the great amount of reproach that was going to be upon them. If they were going to say, you know what, I can no longer participate in a sin offering... Because Jesus has made that offering. He's fulfilled that. And I can. if I go back to my old sin offerings, if I participate in the Day of Atonement, if I say that, that, that a lamb or a goat or some kind of bull is going to be my, my offering for sin, and that bull is going to save me, wash away my sins, I can't do that. I've got Jesus. I'm going to hold On to Jesus, and they were about to bear great reproach. They were going to suffer greatly as they turned their backs on the old ways. So this writer, when it says, let us go to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach, that meant a lot to these people. And probably the reason they were kind of going back to Judaism is because of all the reproach and difficulties that they were suffering with family and friends and all that lived around them. And it's no wonder that they had to find the people who believed and the church meant so much because they were the they, now they are family. That's the importance of the church. It's that we need each other because when we go out there through the week, it's like oh, this is, this is tough. This isn't my family. These people don't like me because I follow Jesus. Imagine the reproach they bore. I think they, you know, when we don't experience that kind of a reproach, you know, we aren't really following Jesus. That's the command is follow Jesus outside the camp. The reproach that he bore, you've got to bear it too. He was willing to suffer shame. You've got to suffer shame. Point number three in there, I, I tagged on the next verse. It says, For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Hey, if you want to grab hold of things eternal, then you got to let go of the things that were temporal. That old law of Moses wasn't meant to last forever. There was always, even before the law of Moses came, there was a promise that was made to Abraham that there would be a seed that would come, the promise that came through the seed through Jesus Christ. The promise would be that all nations would be blessed through him. Don't hold on to the old law and let go of what Jesus offers for everyone. When you try and hold on to some things that aren't Christ, that aren't eternal, that aren't things that truly matter, and you got your hands tied up and wrapped up in things that don't matter, and you can't grab hold of what's eternal. That is the message we need to hear, people. We need to grab hold of the things that are eternal. Let go of the things that are only temporary, things of this life. The next verse, verse 15, says through him then let us let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name and do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices God is pleased and as you can see in my outline I, I do this is one of the rare times that I, I feel critical of uh, the New American standard but it, that literal foot the the footnote is given there that the where it says give thanks to his name it's literally confess his name confess his name so therefore let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God it's a continual thing we're acknowledging the name of Christ when we're here together but it's also we continually do it when we're out within in the world these Believers who were very Jewish and had Jewish families, they were, they were being commanded to continually offer confession in the name of Christ. Confessing the name of Christ amongst their family and friend who said, um, you know what, we've got a, a high priest that serves over here in the temple, and you're saying we should leave him and go to this other priest. That's not what we do. We're Jews, <laughs> you know they were to continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, and that is the fruit of lips that confess His name. Everything we should say should be honoring Christ, should be speaking Christ. We should be, everything should, when you go to work, when, I don't care if, if you're typing all day long, you should be doing it such a way that honors Christ, and when you have an opportunity to speak the name of Jesus in a great and wonderful way, You need to do so. We must speak the name of Jesus. We need to confess his name. We don't say it once before we get wet and then rise up to a new life where we just kind of say it when we're safe together. Towards the bottom of the outline here, it says. In our attempt to live at peace with everyone, we cannot forsake the gospel or the great commission. So here I speak to myself just as if if I ever have a a sermon where it seems like I'm trying to convince somebody of something and I'm speaking to somebody. it's, It's probably me that I'm speaking to. So look at Romans chapter 12 verse 17. This is an important verse to me. It's an important verse for all Christians. It says in verse number 17 of Romans 12, "Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men." If, in verse 18 is the, the verse, it's 17 and 18. "If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men." I think the NIV there says, live at peace with all men. As far as it's possible, as much as it depends upon you, you've got to try and give everything in your life to live at peace with everybody. Believers in the church, and even when you go out in, among the heathens, those people who live in such a way that they'll cut your throat for any, any, over any little thing, Try and live at peace with them. That neighbor who just drives you absolutely crazy, you do everything you can to live at peace with him. And you do all that you can do, as far as it's possible, as much as it depends upon you. You live at peace with people, right? But we don't do it to such an extent that we're willing to sacrifice the gospel, to sacrifice the name of Jesus, or to sacrifice our call to follow the Great Commission. For when we hear about someone who has died for us, who loves us so much that we, though we were sinners, though we were contrary to God, though we had all of our Sins held against us and we rebelled against Him, that Jesus came and died for us. And He has shared with each one of us this great and wonderful love and grace and forgiveness. And if I'm going to accept that and then I just kind of keep it to myself, that doesn't make sense. If I'm a recipient of grace, if I'm a recipient of forgiveness, if I'm one who has been died for and I know somebody else has been died for but they don't know about it, how selfish am I to not share it? We can't forsake the gospel or the great commission. We must continue to, through him, through Jesus, continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips. That is. Confess his name. Give thanks to his name. Share the name. The name of Jesus. The church is important. You know, we come to be together. Hebrews says, you got to. Don't forsake it. Don't turn away. The church is important, right? Right? But the church doesn't save people. Jesus does. We bring people to Jesus. You know, doing kind things for others. This verse 16, don't neglect doing good and sharing. You know, don't just say the name of Jesus and not actually help and care about people. But doing the good things for others and sharing with them. Money or some food, whatever. You know, those, those things are good. You can't neglect it. But it is Jesus who saves us. It is Jesus that we remember as we're called to each first day of the week. So, again, in our attempt to live at peace with everyone, do not forsake the Gospel, or the Great Commission. Do not forsake Jesus. The problem with the people that are being written to in this book of Hebrews is that they were forsaking Jesus, trying to sneak back to the old way, the old law. Don't you dare. Any one of us, let us not sneak back to the old way of life, And try and just live like everybody else in a lost and fallen world. Let us be distinct followers of Jesus who are willing to go out to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do some things that will make you very uncomfortable in the people who live around you and that you work with and that you go home and you uh, live with? Family, friends, co-workers, all of those folks, are you willing to bear the reproach of Christ? He went to that cross for us. He endured the shame of the cross to save us. Are you willing to follow him? As we partake of the communion here today, we got a a moment to reflect as we think about Him. And the question comes, this message just tells us, are we really living for Him? Are you willing to follow Him? Are you willing to confess His name before others? We need to be faithful and act like followers of Jesus. And if there's anybody not here today, thinking too far ahead or something, anybody, let me start that one over, I think. Anybody here today, or anybody who is not here today and listening later, I don't care when it is that you hear this message, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when you realize that there is The Son of God who sacrificed Himself on a cross and it was horrible shame, horrible pain, and the spiritual suffering, I don't think we can begin to imagine what truly happened on that cross. We can't imagine the suffering that He bore for us, for you, to save you from your sins, to give His blood so that He could be the atonement. That blood would be that sprinkling that could be given to cleanse you and me that you have the opportunity to then be the temple of God if you just let yourself believe in Jesus he, he will come and live within you if you're willing to give up your life confess his name be immersed into him and be raised up out of water into a new life the gospel call and then to go forth from this that day and all of us, when we think back to the day that we're immersed, we need to think about that day as the day that we started going forth, sharing, confessing the name of Jesus. You can be a part of that too. If you need Jesus in your life, let us know today. Find us Did it. call me. Find me later. Find somebody else in the church later. Let us know, and we will help you. Be immersed into Christ. And you can be forgiven of your sins. And you can live with a heart that is free from sin. Knowing that someday Christ is going to come back and take you home to heaven to be with him and the Father forever. And in the meantime, we're going to live for Jesus. And we're going to gather every Sunday and partake of this wonderful meal that reminds us of the sacrifice that was given for us. If you need to respond, do it today.